Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I hope you have a great Easter weekend coming up, and I thank you so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There are things that cattle owners can do to reduce the likelihood that their cattle will come down with bovine respiratory disease. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. If you're talking precipitation in the Texas High Plains, March was one of the better months we've had in a long time. But we appear to be heading back to the dry side. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released its annual planting intentions report on Wednesday, showing much lower corn and soybean acreage than we were expecting. Texas A&M grain marketing specialist Mark Welch says those numbers caught the market by surprise. You know, man, yeah, talk about fireworks today. Uh, you know, Kerry, uh, I think the combination of factors and and certainly with uh, with prices like they are, uh, you know, the expectations were that we'd see a significant increase in both of those crops. And and I think the the question was, uh, you know, just uh, who was going to win that battle? Uh, and you know, both of those came in well below uh, the expectations of uh, you know of the industry or the traders, you know, prior to the report. Uh, you know, to see acres in 2021 for corn. Uh, the planting intention report released today said 91.1 million acres of corn. Um, well, that that's only up about 300,000 from last year. Uh, when we were looking at expectations of maybe two or three billion more acres. Uh, so certainly well short of where we thought we might go on corn. And then soybeans were kind of the same story, but we thought we'd see with, gosh, soybean prices surging like they have. Uh, but we might see an increase of perhaps in the range of, uh, of six or seven million acres of soybeans, uh, but instead they went up about four and a half million. So 87.6 million acres of beans, 91.1 million acres of corn, kept that combined total uh, below 180 million, which, uh, you know, many thought that this would be the year that we might uh, push those two crops combined above that uh, 180 million level. And the farmer survey conducted uh, by USDA just did not have those kind of numbers. And so certainly uh, both the uh, the corn and bean uh, acres that farmers uh, reported they intended to plant, you know, well below 
what uh, what the trade was expecting, and so we went uh, living up on uh, both those commodities by the by the uh, right after that report was released. Here in Texas, farmers are expected to plant 2.1 million acres of corn this year. That's down seven percent from last year. While Texas soybean acreage is projected at 80,000 acres, down 33 percent from a year ago. There are some things cattle producers can do to reduce the risk of respiratory disease. Jessica Domel takes a look. Bovine respiratory disease is a complex of illnesses that may cause fever, difficulty breathing, depression, diminished appetite, and coughing in cattle. It is a costly disease. Dr. Nathan Meyer, a professional services veterinarian for Beringer Ingelheim, says there are several things that may make cattle more susceptible to BRD. BRD is a frustrating disease in that there's just not you know a single factor that causes BRD. So if I were to identify you know maybe the three top things that would lead an animal to come down with BRD. I'd say towards the top would be stress. Whenever an animal is stressed, we have different hormones. Cortisol is one of them that can suppress the immune system. Poor immunity would be another one. If an animal has an unknown vaccine history or doesn't have a good vaccine history, then we know that can predispose an animal to getting BRD. I'm going along with immunity is nutrition. So making sure we have, uh, we're meeting the key feed ingredients, whether that's energy, protein, minerals, vitamins, water is a key important of that. So nutrition plays a key role in immunity. And then the third thing would be commingling. We know that when we bring groups of cattle together, that allows for these pathogens to transfer from animal to animal, and that can set the animal up for coming down with BRD. So if you buy cattle at a sale in South Texas and some at a sale in Amarillo, and you put them in the same pen, there could be an issue. You just brought up a great example of what, what we see commonly is that you have cattle from different geographies, different vaccination histories, and when you group those cattle together, there's stresses of transport and they just haven't been exposed to the same pathogens. So the viruses, the bacteria can certainly proliferate and we can have BRD. Because there are a number of factors that may lead to BRD, Dr. Meyer said prevention is very important. Vaccination is one of those tools that has a huge impact. We fortunately have vaccines that are very effective. We have to make sure that those cattle get a booster vaccine. We have specific vaccines called modified live virus vaccines that work very well to stimulate that immune system to make sure we protect against whatever challenges those cattle will face from transition from one stage to the next. Dr. Meyer encourages ranchers to work with a veterinarian to develop an overall herd health plan to prevent BRD. We know that many of our vaccines are effective at a young age, and the earlier we can build that immunity will certainly help that animal as it transitions through these different challenges. That was Dr. Nathan Meyer with Beringer Ingelheim. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The number of hogs and pigs in Texas has decreased over the last year. Tom Nicoletti has the numbers. The number of hogs and pigs being raised in Texas fell approximately 5% over the past year to just over a million head. That's in line with decreases in swine production seen nationwide. According to the American Farm Bureau Federation, the national pig herd fell 1.8% to 74.7 million head, surprising market analysts. 
U.S. Department of Agriculture livestock analyst Shale Shagam said higher feed costs may be to blame for the declines. As they began their planning decisions for breeding animals for farrowing in the future periods, they were probably doing it with an eye towards those higher costs. The market hog inventory in Texas sits at about 900,000 head, down 6% from a year ago. Market hogs comprise 85% of the state's total hog and pig inventory. Pigs per litter average just over 10, down 2% from the previous year. I'm Tom Nicoletti on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. March was one of the better months for precipitation in the Texas High Plains, but it doesn't look like that moisture is sticking around. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. The Texas High Plains has been impacted by drought conditions for a fairly long while now, so what we experienced in March did provide some encouragement. Some snow here, some rain there, and ultimately much of the area wound up receiving at least slightly above normal precipitation for the month. But we still need more moisture for spring planting and to round out the wheat crop. And Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith says grazing land conditions haven't significantly improved. some green up, but these drought conditions are not going to be corrected by even just a few weeks where we receive the moisture here or there, at least not in my opinion. Sticking with the livestock situation for a moment here, what are we seeing from area ranchers when it comes to managing herd size in the face of these conditions? Have they gotten the numbers adjusted to where they need to be? Dr. Smith says that's always a hard thing to make an assessment on, but he did offer the observation that we're not seeing large-scale culling going on right now. What that tells me is that the majority of those producers that were likely in those situations had previously liquidated the cows or marketed the cows or the the animals that they needed to, to be able to sustain at least short-term where we were in terms of the drought. What that looks like moving forward will all be dependent upon the amount of moisture we receive and how long-term and widespread this drought winds up being. Unfortunately, it doesn't sound like we should expect anything like a drought breaker coming real soon. Meteorologist Ken Snyder with the National Weather Service's Amarillo office told me, We're looking at a much drier month as opposed to the wet conditions we experienced this winter. Looks like definitely a shift to drier conditions in April. And Snyder says the outlook for May and into June looks to be on the drier side as well. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wild turkey hunting season has opened up in additional parts of Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the neurological form of equine herpes virus can be a horse owner's worst nightmare. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The neurological form of equine herpes virus can be a horse owner's worst nightmare. 
Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Equine herpes virus 1 can cause three different syndromes in horses, including abortion, respiratory infection, and neurological disease. And even though there is no vaccine labeled for the neurological form of the disease, it is still recommended to vaccinate for equine herpes virus with a vaccine containing a high antigenic load of herpes virus, as it may reduce clinical signs and decrease shedding of the virus. Ask your veterinarian which equine vaccines have a high antigenic load. If your horses are in a high-risk situation, Dr. Slovis has some tips to help prevent infection. Horses at high risk are those at large equine shows and events, as there is more exposure to the organism and placing large groups of horses together leads to stress and decreased immunity. It is recommended to take your horse's temperature twice a day. Even if your horse has not been exposed, it's a good idea to know your horse's baseline temperature and anything over 101.5 degrees Fahrenheit should be a concern. If your horse may have been exposed, limit exposure to stressful situations like elective surgery or long trips as both can decrease immunity and be risk factors for developing the disease. Also, if your horse is being treated for another condition with corticosteroids, which lower immunity, Talk with your vet about discontinuing this medication. Since the virus can live on inanimate objects, practice biosecurity by washing and disinfecting your hands, halters, lead ropes, and other tack, and limit sharing equipment with other horses. Bleach and water at a 1-4 to dilution is an inexpensive disinfectant. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is time to hunt some Texas turkeys. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Wild turkey hunting season in the special One Turkey area officially opens Thursday. Hunting in the Rio Grande North Zone follows on Saturday. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department forecasts a good season for hunters. The Concho, Runnels, and Coleman County areas will likely once again be a hot spot. And down in the Rio Grande Valley, Brooks, Willacy, and nearby counties will have plenty of birds if you have a landowner's permission to hunt there. Jason Harden, TPWD's Wild Turkey Program leader, says there are other areas that should have good turkey hunting as well. The Edwards Plateau, historically, as an ecoregion as a whole, we always have our highest number of hunters and our highest harvest. And it's probably because of the core area for Rio Grande wild turkeys, but also it's smaller properties, more opportunity, more access. The rolling plains, we've actually seen less recruitment over the last few years. We really expected to get a bump back in 14 and 15, and it just wasn't as responsive as a lot of the rest of the state. So we're keeping an eye on that. Still good hunting in that country, but not the historic numbers that we've seen along some of those major riparian areas. Regulations for the spring hunting season will be the same as in the fall. You can legally harvest a bearded hen in the spring. The thought process, the reason behind that is because we want to reduce waste of game. We know there are new hunters out there. We know there are mistakes that are made. And if it was a gobbler only season and someone accidentally shot a bearded hen, we'd rather them utilize that bird, take the meat, take the feathers, use what you, you would with a male and not waste that game. So that is the go. That was Jason Harden with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Hunters are encouraged to check out the outdoor annual before heading out to the field. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We wrapped up a holiday-shortened trading week on Thursday with the cattle market steady to lower and a big drop in the cotton market. 
We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, trading is done for the week. We wrapped up the trade on Thursday. Of course, all of the markets closed on Friday for the Good Friday holiday. So we ended up closing lower for live cattle mixed on feeder cattle. Here's a rundown on the prices. April live cattle down 95 cents at 120.02. June down 35, 122.50. August live cattle down 45 cents at 121.52. Feeder cattle all over the place. April feeders unchanged at 143.87. May feeders down 17, 149.22. August feeder cattle up 72 cents, 158 even. Cash-fed cattle market still fairly quiet for the week. We do have a few sales reported as high as 118 up in Iowa. Here closer to home, Texas Cattle Feeders Association reporting about 275 heads sold. Those cattle brought 116.50 to 116.75. Boxed beef prices continue to climb higher. We took a big jump on Thursday with choice up 251 at 249.63. Select up 660 at 244.73. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. When you hear sheep and goats bellering, it's time to head to San Angelo. Talk to Benny Cox from Producers and Cargyle about the sheep and goat sale he had Tuesday. Benny, how many noses did you count? Yeah, we ended up with a good many. We had 92.88 for total. We got along real well. The market was a little softer on, you know, some of these air sheep types, which we had so many of. We really had a nice set of, a couple of really nice sets of these crossbred uh, new crop wool lambs. Taking into consideration the quality, that, that had something to do with it. But they were, heck, they were $5, $10 higher than they were the week before on their quotes. And the uh, slaughter lambs, your hair sheep type, light into those, kind of 10. Some of them might have been $15 lower, but it was real consistent all the way through the sale. These hair sheep lambs right there at the end, they might have been a little stronger on the light into those that have probably went to a feed pen for a little while. The slaughter ewes, they sold from 3 to $5 lower. They're still an awful good market on those. Kid goats, firm to as much as $5 higher. Keeps on keeping on. The slaughter nannies from 145 to about 225 mostly 190 to $2 on those things, which I think is an awful good market. These big mature billies from 2 to 248 uh, On the wool lambs that we sold, they sell all the way down from 248 on really some old crop types up to 278 and those lambs weighed 80 pounds or so the uh, slaughter lambs the light end of those hair sheep type from 260 to 272 heavier weights from 220 
to 265. Slaughter used, they sell from 90 to 130, but mostly 110 to 120. Kid goats sold in a range from 290 to 464, but mostly 425 to 440. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cox. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office is the same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Benny Cox, Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo. Thank you so much. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and our program, Walking the Pins. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where Lean Hogs closed out the week higher. April up 72 cents, 101.77. May hogs up $1.32 at $102.82. Class 3 milk was mixed. April milk down 9, $17.51. May milk up 18 cents, $18.41, 100 weight. The cotton market took a big tumble, mainly on disappointment from the weekly USDA export sales report. It looks like China canceled a sizable lot of cotton, so that was somewhat disappointing for the market. And we saw prices take a tumble down 293 points on the nearby May. It closed the week at 77.95. July cotton down 290 points at 79.27. December down 219 to close at 77.91 cents. The wheat market closed lower after a nice jump Wednesday afternoon following USDA's prospective plantings report. The report was actually somewhat bearish for wheat. However, the big jump in corn and soybeans seemed to pull the wheat up with it. The reality of those acreage numbers now settling into the market. USDA estimating wheat acreage at 46.4 million acres. That's more than we were expecting. We were expecting around 44.9 million acres. So that's up about 2 million acres from a year ago, and that's bearish for the market. July Kansas City wheat down nine and three quarters, five seventy-two a bushel. July Chicago wheat down five and a quarter at six ten and a half. The corn market mixed with the nearby May down four and a half, five fifty-nine and three quarters. But those new crop contracts continue to climb following that very bullish USDA acreage number on Wednesday. September corn up a nickel, five oh one a bushel. December corn up seven at 484 and a half. Now let's switch over to the energy markets. May natural gas up 3 cents 264, May crude oil up 218 at 6134 a barrel. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 146 points 33,132. The Nasdaq up 206 13,453. The S&P 500 up 40 at 4,013. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Hey, I hope you got a great Easter weekend coming up, and I wish you all the great blessings that come along with that. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.